0: Everybody was there. You weren't there. I Mrs. wasn't there. Everyone was there. I was all. <laughs> you weren't there. Tim was there. You were there. Lady oh, was there. Yeah. You sounds were like there.
1: you like had a dream. Like the like Wizard of Oz, and you were there. And yeah.
2: You were there. <laughs> Wait, is the Wizard of Oz a dream? Who's been going there regular?
1: Have you not seen the Wizard of Oz?
2: Well, hey everybody, and welcome to the debrief—a weekly Q and A show from Sandals Church and Pastor Matt Brown with real answers to tough questions from the Bible. I'm here hosting today. Justin Pardee sitting here with Stephanie Schaefer. What's up, guys? And uh, we got the boy wonder. He is back, Pastor Matt Brown. Ooh, oh, I'm boy wonder. Well, you, I thought maybe that you was don't clogged. have the beard yeah. anymore. You You've don't got a like, look to you now. Oh man,
0: my yeah. kids are like just hanged their head in shame. Exactly. Look at me. I too hang my head in
2: shame. I once yeah. again As do, have we the weakest a,
0: beard on the yeah. debrief.
2: Oh, all the men of Sandals Church. Yeah. Just want to say your you. goatee's looking pretty strong. I know. <laughs>
1: mm. Are you going to just let it grow back now? Or what's I don't gonna... know.
0: I, I had regret the moment I shaved it.
2: Oh, mm. That's called conviction from the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> One of the key parts of the Trinity. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I see what you
1: mm-hmm. did there.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. Claude's looks epically beautiful. I'm sure. not, Claude, not a gray,
3: welcome to, hair, welcome not a to the gray hair on his face. Uh, there's, I thought I found one but it was a string yeah. Yeah. I oh, have more I, gray hair you don't than have you any? you have no gray hair? I, I found one the other day
2: oh I gotta pull them out with tweezers
3: every just, because Doritos. I'm actually kind of upset at you about <laughs> Doritos shaving and diet- you, uh, you've caused division in, in my home because uh, when you shaved every wife in our church said look uh, look how great it is right huh? that.
0: so you've brought persecution on yeah my wife was upset because she felt okay. like uh, people thought she made me but no. it wasn't it was the stink my beard was stinky but you got a great jaw you thank, you. thank you thank you
2: well, that's true. Well, we do it's have Claude, Claude. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. you have not you- been on the debrief for probably 60-some-odd episodes, <laughs> certainly yeah, not since video. I think
1: it was video. last summer you were on the show with us, actually. Yep.
0: yeah. Well, you welcome. did so awesome last time. We said, we got to have that guy <sighs> occasionally. <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> at least at least <laughs> Maybe next year.
1: We'll see how he does.
2: <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Well, we're glad to have you here on the show. And Pastor Matt, welcome back from summer break.
0: Yeah, so we were supposed to have Pastor Greg Glory on today. And That's why I came back, but unfortunately, he's super busy. Mm, I got yeah. dumped for Trump. He I got new, trumped. Yeah, I got <laughs> Trump. He's he on that trumped. new council with Donald Trump. So, if you follow Pastor Greg Glory on Instagram or whatever, give him a shout out, a positive shout out, and say, "Hey, we want to love to have you on the debrief. We Ooh, love Pastor Greg. That's he's got a good Harvest idea. Crusade coming up, uh, SoCal Harvest Crusade. We're super excited, but we were going to have him on the show today, but instead, we've we got are with yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme. I mean,
1: if you can't have Greg Glory, you can at least have yeah. Claude Hickman. So. Exactly. Good. Claude,
0: you got any big crusades coming
2: up? Planning on no, but I do have a leather jacket somewhere. That's You can make your Instagram look pretty, pretty sweet. Well, this weekend uh, we're kicking off our back to school series. You'll be doing that for us. We're excited about that, that's and we got right. all kinds of back to school goodness going on with the debrief.
1: That's right. So starting next week on the debrief, we are going to be doing some how to episodes. We're going to go back to school here on the debrief and talk through a lot of how to topics, including how to handle your money, how to face hard things, how to answer some tough questions. We've got lots of topics coming up. So, want to get your questions in on those? We'll be rolling out some more of what those episodes are to come.
0: Awesome. So. I'm super excited. So Back to School is all about the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. I'm super excited um, where we learn to learn and that's what those those books are about. And so uh, super, super excited. So you don't want to miss and, and there's a lot of how-to in life. And, you know, one of the things I'm going to say, spoiler alert, is, you know, we, we've grown in information, mm-hmm. but we are shrinking in wisdom as a culture. And oh. so um, that's one of the things that. that's tragic about our, our culture today. And I'm just super, super concerned. And, uh, you know, Proverbs is written uh, primarily by one King Solomon, but it's actually three kings and a mom, a queen, uh, uh, and information to their children concerned about what they need to learn. And so um, I'm super excited about what's going on. And, and, you know, if we don't work at it, we'll all be idiots. So we have to learn to be wise and, um, and we need to value wisdom. And so I'm super excited about this series. So you don't want to miss uh, because we all need to go back to school and uh, I mean, if you're done learning from God, then God's going to be done using you. So you don't, you don't want to stop learning. So,
2: Well, speaking of learning, wisdom, and insight, it is time to debrief not just a sermon, but the entire Supernatural series, Claude, that you led us through. Uh, we've got all kinds of great stuff to talk mm-hmm. through that. And for the last three weeks, Claude's been really helping us reevaluate and look at who the Bible says God is. That's right.
1: So Pastor Ron and Claude, I would love to just hear from you guys kind of how this series came about because this is kind of the plan for the whole summer. So how did you guys decide to make this happen? Or well, I idea? think
0: originally what I wanted Claude to do is write his own sermon series. So I wanted to see him develop because he, what he usually does is he kind of plugs in within the sermon series, but I wanted Claude to do his own. And so this was actually Claude's idea. He wanted to um, talk to our church about who God is and really kind of raise the level of knowledge in, concerning God. And so it, that that was all him. And and uh, I'm grateful for that. And, and I thought he did an outstanding job. Let me say this not only was your sermon great, but I really liked the creative team's uh, intro. I, I thought it was a good <laughs> break up uh, from maybe kind of the stuff that they've been doing. And I, I really enjoyed that just so. Shout out to the creative team. Yeah. Uh, the intro I thought was really mesmerizing and calming. And it was great. So awesome. Great yeah. artwork, great sermons. It was,
3: you know, even though I developed the content. I just thought the name Supernatural, the the style of worship that we did for those three weeks, people really enjoyed it. I was telling Justin at one point, people clapped during the read response time. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think that's ever happened in the history <laughs> of Christian church. Um, so it just made the sermon pop, I think, for people, how it all fit together. But um, yeah, man, thank you. I think it, it says way more about you than me that you'd let me come and do that and have that kind of freedom as, as a leader. Just think, I don't think
0: people know maybe how unique that is. uh, Yeah, I don't get why pastors don't like great preachers to preach when they're gone, because (laughs) what it does for me is it allows me to relax. And so this is my heart is that every single week we're going to have visitors at Sandals Church. You know, Sandals is a church basically of about 10,000 people. Mm -hmm. And so every week you're going to have about 500 guests come and they may never come back. And so um, it just makes me sleep better. It allows me to rest better to know that someone like Claude is there delivering great messages and giving people an invitation to come back. And so people always ask me, what's your number one goal when a visitor comes to church? And it would be that they'd come back because you're not going to save everybody the first time. You're just not. So if we can be a church that encourages people who are far from God, who are unchurched and don't know God to come back. So we want to educate the church. We want to mm-hmm. teach the church, but we want to do it in such a way that it doesn't make people feel dumb. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't We don't want outsiders to feel like outsiders. We want them to feel like they're welcome to become an insider. And so I think that's how Jesus preached. I think Claude did a great job of doing that. And um, he had some really, really uh, just great lines and some great Mm -hmm. encouragement through the series. Well, Mm -hmm. and as we talked about it, you know, I think a lot of that
3: idea came from conversations with people people who come ask me for prayer, ask me a question about God, or, you know, like they've asked you a question about the Bible. And I, I, I just noticed this underlying theme of, man, we've really lost who God is. Uh, I think one of the things that Matt, Pastor Matt, you do really well is we teach life. You know, people are hurting in life, and we help them connect what's true about God that will help them in life. And I said, Matt, you know, what if we just spent three weeks talking about here's what's true about God, and hopefully they will take truths from that for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. And so that whole idea of bringing the super into the natural uh, was just the perfect image. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, another thing I noticed is um, there's a lot of real Catholic underlying theology within our, our context Mm in Southern California. And and so a lot of even questions people would have and issues they were dealing with. And Mm. I mean, I, there were probably four people that came up to me to ask about suicide Mm -hmm. and mortal sins and and things of those Mm -hmm. kind of nature. And so just backing up and and talking about theology and I've never in my life heard a sermon on the Trinity, Mm -hmm. like on the actual Trinity, especially done where it was halfway, you know, entered, you, you could not fall asleep in the middle of it. And so I also just thought, thought man, I, surely there's gotta be a way to teach theology to people and not make it repulsive. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: One of the things that was so cool was this, I don't th- I don't know if you've heard this story and got to share it with you. There's a gal who came, who told us, she said, man, this was my first weekend here at Sandals Church, the first weekend of Claude. And uh, she came with her mom and her dad had committed suicide five oh. years ago. Yeah. And she told her mom the week before they came to church, she said, man, when, when dad committed suicide, I feel like I put God in a box and threw him away hmm. um, out of my life. And then she comes to, she felt like she had to go to Sandals Church this weekend for whatever reason. And here was the, I mean, that's how you ended your sermon saying, man, a lot of us have done that. But maybe that's because the God that you put in a box is not who God actually is. So one of the things that was great about the Supernatural series was that God was, or God, Claude. You guys, your name's Ryan, sorry. I'm going to try and, I'm gonna try and get that God or right. Claude, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Look at the, the beard, the man bun, all that stuff. Yeah. If uh, somebody were to do like a modern day cartoon, uh, like comic book for boys of who God is, he, they would he would look like you, but with more gray in the beard. Actual gray. <laughs> that's what I think. So Claude was trying to help us go, man, who is God as he's revealed himself to us through the scriptures, not who we think he is. Pastor Matt, what would you say to somebody who feels like the God that they believed in, maybe while they were growing up in church, has not been who they expected when they are growing up into their faith as adults? Yeah, well, I would
0: say this, that, you know, the same problem that Catholics have, we have. And so there's a difference between real Catholic theology and the practical theology that Catholics live and so oftentimes when you, when you go and you study Catholic theologians, they're very, very close to what our theologians say. The reality is what people actually believe on the ground mm-hmm. versus what's being taught from the top is very two different things. Mm-hmm. So Catholics are the largest Christian denomination in the world, which means they're going to have a lot of opinions. Yeah. Practically speaking, uh, just like you know, Catholics in uh, Mexico are going to be very, very different from Catholics in Brazil, from Catholics in Poland, from Catholics in uh, India. Yeah. They're very, very different, and oftentimes Catholicism around the world becomes very, very much like the religion that supposedly they rejected. So Catholicism in India looks a lot like Hinduism; mm-hmm. it just does, you yeah. know. Um, so you just got to really, really be careful with that. Which is the same problem we have as Christians in America: is our theology becomes a whole lot more American than it does Christian, you know. And so I think the biggest challenge facing us as Americans is. There was a season when the self was undervalued. That is not the case anymore. <laughs> like, well, well done, guys. okay. So the problem is is really what people are are saying about God is, I think God is. And the problem with that is is that you you're you're trying to identify something from yourself and 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 that's what's wrong. And so the first thing that I think Claude's series so profoundly communicated is, we, God has to reveal himself to us. Mm-hmm. I cannot discover God on my own. God has to reveal who he is to me because if I go from who I am, I'm going to be wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's why you say, well, why are all these, all these religions and why are these, all these ideas about God? Because it's not emanating from God to us. It's emanating from us to him. And so that, that, that's the first problem is. And so God, yeah, there's some attributes the Bible says about God that everybody sees, but the specifics of who God is, is through his revelation. And he reveals himself specifically to us and ultimately in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the exact image of the living God. That is the picture, perfect picture of who God is. And so we need to understand that. And we all, you know, I, I think... Um, you know, I, I can't remember your your specific illustration about who God uh, is, Claude. But I always use thirty one flavors. I like thirty one flavors ice cream. You kind of walk in there, and I think people kind of walk into the Bible, their history, and they kind of pick some flavors they like. Well, I don't like mm-hmm. that flavor, so that's not who God is. It's mm-hmm. like, well, listen, you know, y- y- you got to mm-hmm. love all who God is, or you're rejecting all who God is. And so, um, you know, specifically, like one of the big things is is you know, Jesus teaches God is father. Well, I don't think that's how we interpret God. I think we interpret God as grandpa.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: We don't see God as father. A father is, you know, e- even today, like, you know, we, you know, parents are almost apologetic for bringing children into the world today, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, 2000 years ago, when Jesus says, God is father, he's your father, right? Right. He is in charge. He's sovereign. Like mm. he oversees the household. Everyone does what, you know, and you love him, but you respect him and you have awe for him. And so we think, well, God's grandpa, he's kind of softened and he just wants us to have fun, right? That's what, that's what God wants. Mm. And, and God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy because he knows that holiness is truly happiness. And mm. so um, it's, just, it's just really, really tragic. And I would just say, you know, if, if you felt intimidated by Claude's messages, that's why we have notes. That's why we do the debrief, mm-hmm. go back. The way you learn is by repetitively going through these things. And so my wife asked me yesterday, she says, oh, do you need to study on the Trinity? I said, no, because I've been studying it for 20 years, yeah. mm-hmm. 20 years. I've had questions. And so just know every listener, <laughs> I was where you are at one time. Mm-hmm. I had to figure it out. First time a Jehovah's witness came to my door and said, Jesus wasn't God. I freaked out just like you will. <laughs> and so guess what I did? I went to the scriptures. And so- um,
3: you know, one of the things I hoped people started doing maybe in community group or with their spouse is just start talking about what we believe about theology. And I think that's one of the things that people are so intimidated to do, to get say something wrong that all of a sudden you're going to be kicked right. out of the church because you said something wrong. Mm-hmm. I said stuff wrong in the three weeks. Actually, one of the weeks, uh, there's a guy in our church you know, that I trust. I love. He mm-hmm. always emails me encouraging mm-hmm. stuff. But one week he emailed me and said, hey, you said this. And you, I would probably say this instead. And it, mm-hmm. I'm like... Thank you, you know. And and I think I said, you know, it's okay to be wrong, not okay to stay wrong. That's what right, I replied right. to him. Mm-hmm. That that we have to learn how to talk about what we believe about God and and to allow other people to go, Well, there's the scripture says something slightly different. It's okay and
0: be corrected and led into truth. At least when we hear truth, right. We should agree with truth. Um, and, well, and the challenge of preaching on the Trinity is I mean, you know, Again, all of our listeners have a little grace. Good some Lord. Point I'm going to say something wrong. Yeah, yeah, well, but the councils, I mean, these guys, I mean, these issues almost divided the church in an unrepairable way yeah. because this, this, this trying to define an eternal God from a, you know, our perspective, it's, it, it, how do you do that? I mm-hmm. mean, it's just, it's just impossible. Um, you know, God is going to be bigger than any language we can ever use to communicate. Uh, you know, it's like when my son. I used to ask my son when he's three years old. he said, "Well, how tall is your dad?" He's you can't see me, but my hands going, My dad's this tall. Yeah. What is he trying to do? He's he's saying my dad is as tall as my hand can stretch. Well, guess what? He just cut me in half. Mm-hmm. And so we got to be careful with, you know, oh. you know, our 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 descriptive mm-hmm. words that we're trying to say. You know, God is 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 immense and massive and. You know, I I love my, the best line in the series was, is you will, you'll never know everything you need to know about God, but you can know enough for, you know, all that, I I can't remember. All of life. All of life. And that was, I was like, oh, yes. You know, that was just a great, great line. And so, uh, and I also agree with you, Claude, that that's what's going to make eternity so, the word I want to use is entertaining, because I think people's concern with eternity is boredom but one of the things that's going to make it entertaining is every single day we're going to learn something new and incredible about God that we Mm. didn't know before. And that never ends.
1: Mm -hmm. You're just like, what? Yeah.
0: You know, I mean, I mean, even the angels are dumbfounded by the glory of God. And just like, I can't believe this. And, And he's so immense and loving and incredible and awesome. And, um, you know, uh, I, and I, I love, you know, what Claude was talking about God, uh, you know, how God is good. I think God is bigger than you'll ever know and better than you can ever imagine. Mm -hmm. He's the supreme definition of goodness. And those two things I think need to navigate, you know, us as we follow him and trust him because our experiences of life, you know, uh, you know, if we just look at life and we define God from life, you can come up with a definition of a God that's not good. That's again, why we need revelation Mm -hmm. because you know, we can't just define God based upon our experiences. And that's what people do. Well, I've always thought, well, who cares what you think? Mm. You know, so I, and a lot of times people criticize scripture. I say, well, the Bible just written by men. And so, okay, but you're writing your own story of God. So who are you? Are you Paul? Are you Isaiah? You know, I mean, you know, I mean, really what they're saying is, is, you know they're they're putting down these people who wrote these books who had real radical encounters with God. I mean, did you walk with Jesus? Did you see him die on the cross? Did you have, did you look for him in the missing tomb? So, so, okay, so even if it is written by men, you did not walk with this guy. You did not see these things happen. You didn't see people, Lazarus come out of the grave. People did. These were public events. They yeah. weren't done in corners. Mm-hmm. And that's what Luke says. These things have not been hidden. These, these are public events. We were writing about facts and things that took place. And, and even Jesus' enemies don't discredit what he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They discredit the source. They say, well, he's doing this by the power of Satan, which makes total sense, right? You do goodness and bring people that back by the dead, because that's what the devil wants. That makes sense. But that's what they had to do to reject Jesus.
3: So. And the Trinity specifically, you know, it's not just a Paul theology. Right. It's you've got Luke, you've got Peter, you've got Moses in the Old Testament. So yeah. even just that helps us know this wasn't something somebody made up in the 13th yeah. century.
1: Yeah, so Mike actually sent in a question and said, the fact that no analogy really works to explain the relationship between God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is really tough for me. Should I just accept that until Jesus' return or until eternity, are we as humans ever gonna be able to fully grasp the concept of the yeah. eternity?
0: No physical analogy can fully describe spiritual reality. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He tweeted it himself. Yeah. Cool. yeah, I just tweeted myself. Us in the eyes. And- no physical reality can fully define spiritual reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have, you, look, um, man, it's just like, okay, and if you're a scientist, if we start defining quantum physics mm-hmm. by what we know, you are instantaneously wrong. That's the truth. So mm-hmm. math teaches us that there are things that are possible that we cannot currently prove. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, when I was um, watching that movie, uh, Hidden Figures, did you guys see that movie? a great you, yeah. movie. Literally, when they're trying to get uh, the rockets into space this is what they say. There's a great line in the movie. We are trying to discover math that does not does not yet exist. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Now, th- that's not actually true. What they're trying to discover is math that they do not know. Yeah, how to do it. It does exist, mm-hmm. but they yeah. don't know it. And so so that's the thing that's so tragic is we, we've been lied to in our culture that, that we have all this knowledge and we know all these things. And there's really... and we're going to get into this in the next series back to school. There's this, this modern sense of intellectual arrogance, like somehow we've arrived. And what's amazing is every generation has that. Yep. And so, um, like I said, you know, we're growing in information, but we're, we're, we're lacking in wisdom. And, and, and I think that, you know, one of the, the, one of the things that the, the ancient cultures had was a sense of respect for the generations that came before them. And so like the book of Proverbs, um, That's what he's saying. He's saying, son, I know some things that you don't know yet. Hmm. And I think, you know, the the ignorance of youth is you assume you know. My kids think they know things. Like I'm trying to teach my son how to surf. I'm like, son, I've been doing this since before you were born. Waves move in a certain way. Follow me, Hmm. listen to me, and you will not get squashed. (laughs) But no, dad, I'm 14. I've been surfing for a week. And he just gets hammered over and over again. You know, and so it's so funny to me because I took uh, Avery Ashton with me surfing. And so he's, he, he I'm not his dad. He's mm-hmm. stuck right next to me. I'm like, Avery, stay next to me and you will not die. My son over there, 500 yards away, look at him. He's getting work. He's drowning right now as we speak because he doesn't know how waves work and where the reef is, but I do.
3: You know, I, I think that the, One of the things about this question I notice is that if I can't fully know something, then is it even worth studying at all? And I I think that's where some people, Hmm. Christians, are. That's how I feel about the news. You know, like Mm -hmm. I don't—I've given up on trying to figure out what the real news is because I know everyone has been this way, this way, and I just—we don't even watch the news anymore. And I think some people feel about theology, about God. If I can't know it myself and study it fully, I don't trust any of the sources, Mm -hmm. or,
0: or is it even worth the time and effort? Yeah. There's nothing more worthwhile than knowing God. It's the only thing that truly matters um, you know, in life. I mean, Jesus said, you're a fool if you are rich with wealth, but you don't have a rich relationship with God. And you cannot have a relationship with a God you do not know. Hmm. Right? When you fall in love with somebody, you, you want to get to know them. Hmm. You, you want to get to know them. I don't fully understand my wife. been married 21 years, but I want to. Mm-hmm. I'm learning things all the time, <laughs> all the time, man you know um, that's because the
3: only thing more confusing than the trinity is yes women, women. <laughs> yeah. to themselves
0: and us that's why that's I ask my wife okay. yeah I ask my <laughs> wife okay. all the time she's like I don't even know how I feel I'm like great we're hosed <laughs> <don't even> <laughs> we are hosed Okay, let me ask you guys this
2: question. Uh, you, I mean, you guys both have done seminary. You have gone through all kinds of biblical training. Anybody who's tuned into the debrief right now is doing so because they want to go deeper. They want a, a better understanding of who God has revealed himself to be so that they can figure out how that impacts their life. Are there simple things that somebody can do aside from fully going to seminary or the, the basics, right? Join, being a part of church on the regular basis, listening to the debrief, being in a group, those kinds of things. What are some other things that somebody could do to help them move in that direction?
0: Yeah, the first thing I would do is, the word is trust. Trust the work of the saints that have come before you. Mm. So this is what Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons don't do. They don't trust the theological work of the saints that have come before. So what Joseph Smith says is every other saint and theologian before me has been wrong. Okay. Mm -hmm. Why would God do that? Why would God allow... um, you know, this theology to pervade his church for 1800 years. Why would God allow him to do that? Jesus said that the church will survive and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Joseph Smith disagrees with that because Mm -hmm. what Joseph Smith is saying is the church has been defeated and I will resurrect it. And so always watch out for these guys that are resurrecting. The church has never been lost. It goes through some difficult seasons, but oftentimes it's just the leadership of the church that's wrong. And it's often not the theology of the church. So, you know, the church has gone through some ugly phases, but that's often just powerful people really doing what they want in the name of God of the church. And so there's always people dissenters because there's a lot of Christians that get killed because they're like, this is not, this is not God. So, so trust the work of the saints. And so, um, you know, when that Jehovah Witness is knocking on your door and they're telling you that our translation, which they won't even publish their, their scholars, we have no idea who their scholars are. They don't sit down with any other theologians from any other Christian universities. They translate it all by themselves. That's dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that Luke tells us is this has not been done in the dark. Mm-hmm. This this has been done out in the open. And so we want to be honest about who our theologians are and why why we believe this in every credible evangelical Bible or even Catholic Bible gives you a list of who the translators are. Right. It's right on the first page. Here's the people, here are the scholars that sat down and debated this in a room.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's public knowledge. And I think that that's really important. So I would say trust the work and, um, and I can just, and then next trust me, trust Claude. We've wrestled through this. We've prayed through this. And, and um, you know, there's a reason that we believe in, in the triune nature of God. And so you get that in our, in our workshops that are coming up, you know, yeah. one of the first yeah. points that we're going to talk about is God is relational. hmm so God is, you know, the, the the Muslim God is a lonely God. Mm-hmm. He's all by himself. The Christian God is not alone. He has never been alone. He is eternally three. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not desperate. He's not needy. He is relational. That's crazy. Um so yeah,
3: and what we were what we were really doing in that three weeks was called systematic theology. Right. And and so there are great resources out there. Uh one that I have my staff read is by a guy named Wayne Grudem. and he writes uh he is a 2,000-page version, a 1,000-page version, and a paperback called Christian Beliefs. It'd be a great place to start for someone just wanting to get a systematic theology rather than get bits and pieces like we talked about from sermons and podcasts here and there.
0: Yeah, well, and absolutely. And don't and don't be intimidated by Grudem. I would start with the paperback. I've read yep. both the thick version and the thin version. Um, and sometimes, you know, it, it gets a little... Um, it gets a little confusing at yeah. times. It just, just give yourself time. And again, that's why the tr- trust that these guys are not. Do, they're, they're presenting. it. Nobody was sit in a room and say, okay, how, how can, you know, how can we, you know, b- befuddle Christians? They were t- trying to reveal <laughs> this very, very complicated thing called God. And again, if you understand everything about your God, your God's too small, mm-hmm. and that's just the reality. And so God is bigger than your mind. You've heard me say this at Sandals many, many times. Understanding God is like trying to empty the ocean with a Dixie cup. Mm-hmm. You're going to work your whole life, but that, that's a big body of water, and so that's who God is. And um, you know, you talked about Job, and I can't remember what week it was, but you know, Job talks about you know at the very end, it's just repentance. God, I don't know who you are, and I don't know what you're about, and I'm so sorry because Job's a wise guy, but when he comes against the wisdom of God, and that's what God says in the last couple of chapters. Where were you when I created these things? Mm-hmm. You know, so and that's the tragedy uh, of modern culture is we have a sense of awe for the immensity of the universe and the uniqueness of earth. But we have no sense of awe for the immensity of God and the uniqueness of God, because that's what those two things reveal. The immensity of the universe reveals the immensity of God and the uniqueness of earth reveals, and we write we, we, his creation reveals some attributes about him. God is unique. He is alone in that there's no one like him. And so uh, a great place to start Uh, over the oneness of God is Isaiah chapter 40s. All of the 40s, I think like seven different times, Isaiah reveals to the people of Israel that God is, there's only one God and he mocks idols. Mm -hmm. He mocks other religions. And he says, go pray to that stone. Go pray to those things because I alone am God. And there is no other. And so here's one of the things then bumping into who is Jesus. Isaiah says that God will not a, share his glory, and B, there is no other savior. And so this is one of the things that I, I discuss with Jehovah Witnesses when they believe that Jesus is a separate entity from God created by God. Isaiah says, there is no other God. God will not share his glory. What does God do with Jesus? He shares his glory with him. Who is Jesus? He is the savior. God says, there is no other savior other than me. And so what I share with Jehovah Witnesses when I'm talking with them is, if Jesus is a created being, how is that any kind of sacrifice for God? He just mm-hmm. make another one. Mm-hmm. And then and they all, well, no, no, no. If he's created, God can make another one. But if he comes himself and he dies himself on the cross, then what Isaiah is true, I will not share my glory with anyone else and there is no one else who will save you. Listen to what God says, but me. So if Jesus saves us, and Isaiah says, only God saves us and Jesus are Savior." I mean, it, it just really, really works in that. And so, you know, when Jesus says that, you know, Scary. reveals himself as the son of God, it, it, it's, it's such a practical way of understanding who he is. If I introduce you to my son, you're going to assume he's human.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: If God introduced me to his son, his one and only son, the only begotten, which is who John reveals him as, then I have to assume he's God. So then I have a problem if there's only one God, and and that's where the Trinity comes out. Is as these theologians are sitting down trying to figure out. And here's what's amazing: is it wasn't actually the divinity of Jesus that was the problem; it was his humanity. Hmm. So we're on the other end. People have a hard time believing Jesus God. The early church had a hard time believing he was human. Mm-hmm. So they str- they struggled on the other end, where, where because they they couldn't grasp, especially in their Greek philosophy. How can something good, perfect, and true become something, as the Greeks believe, they believe that all flesh was faulty and wrong mm. and toxic, and, and Jesus is both. He's the God-man, mm. and um, so that's important.
2: Well, that's good stuff. We're going to put links in the show notes to those uh, resources you guys mentioned. You can find those on our website at debrief.show slash...
1: 73.
2: There you go, debrief.show slash 73. I love that word, slash. Boom. Okay. Okay, so Claude, the second week of your Supernatural series, you talked about how Jesus helps us pray. Jonathan wrote in and says, who should we pray to, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God the Father, or when we say, dear God, are all parts of the Trinity receiving our prayer? What do we do, boys?
3: <laughs> you <Yeah>, go ahead. <laughs> well, I got a friend who his wife was praying. And she prayed to uh, the Holy Spirit, and he rebuked her. So I would not do that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you would not do, you would not pray to the Holy Spirit rebuke, or you would not, would rebuke, not rebuke, her, rebuke my, her, rebuke my wife for
3: praying to the wrong person of the Trinity. Yeah. It, it, but there is an order in the scripture that seems right. um, like a, like something for us to learn from the fall.
0: I'll let you. Yeah. So we pray to the father because that's how Jesus taught us to pray. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, so it's called the Lord's prayer, but it's really not his prayer. It's our prayer. So, uh, you know, our father. So, you know, uh, even within the Trinity, there's organization. So the son submits to the father in all things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the spirit uh, points to the son. So uh, there, you know, there's it's called the economic um, nature of God. And so um, you know, in his nature, uh, and I forget that word, I need to go back to my systematic theology. God is you know, always been the same, but in, in, in the economic nature of God, that is how, how does the economy of God work? How does God work out salvation in our lives? The father is in charge of everything. And the son submits always to the father and the Holy Spirit always points to the son. So I believe in prayer, you know, and again, like Claude said, pray to God, he knows who you're talking about. So, but we pray in the name of the father um, and and we pray through the power of the spirit. And then we close, you know, in Jesus name, because Jesus says, if you ask for anything in my name, that's where that comes from. Mm -hmm. So we pray in his name. you know, Hebrews says, Claude, one of these verses, you know, that we we have a powerful person that goes before us. We can pray powerfully. You don't need Claude to pray for you. You don't me, need me, me to pray. What you need is Jesus to pray for you. And so that's what it means in the name of Jesus, that we come in his name to his father. Um, and so, you know, if you grew up Catholic, that's why you don't need to pray to Mary. You don't need to pray the rosary. You need to pray in the name of Jesus. You know, why? Because Mary prayed the same way you and I do. Hmm. I mean, and that, that that's part of Mary's salvation process is, she, she has to believe in Jesus too. And you see her struggling, you know, as a mom, understanding who Jesus is, just like his brothers struggle understanding who Jesus is. But in the end, right, they figure it out, man. He is the son of the living God. And uh, which is why I believe she fades in the book of Acts because now it's about the church. You know, she had a role in the life of Jesus, but now, you know, her role, you know, that now that he sits at the right hand of the father is just like our role. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course she has a unique relationship. I mean, I think as Protestants, we get a little too uptight about, you know, revering Mary, she certainly should be revered. You know, the the, uh, the book of John says she is more blessed than any other woman on earth because she got to give birth to the son of God. But that doesn't mean she's divine or doesn't mean anything. It just means she had a unique role in the salvation of the world. And so we should pray to the father in the name of the son through the power of the Holy spirit. But ultimately, if you're a Christian, like Claude said, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And the beautiful thing about the Spirit is the Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be understood. So while I'm praying, the Holy Spirit is helping me pray. Mm-hmm. He's helping me translate to God what what needs to be said because there's sometimes when we pray, we, we don't know what to pray. We don't know what to say. We just know we need to. Mm-hmm. So um, I just wouldn't get all wrapped up in that. Uh, if you listen to Christians pray for a period of time, I think it's dangerous when we all sound the same. Mm -hmm. I think we we we, there needs to be you know my kids don't talk to me the same there needs to be I think we're all God's children and and we have a unique way that we connect with God Um, and so um, you know I I pray usually to the Father or to the Son uh, but I ask for more of the Spirit's power in my life and so that's what I'm doing so I don't know what you do do you pray Claude (laughs) Yeah they can't they can't hear you nodding. (laughs) Yeah, I think you nailed
3: it. I, I, yep. And I would also just say, it's okay to ask other people to pray for our yeah. needs and for us. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I didn't want anybody to think that that wasn't something we could ask people to do. That's yeah, sure. biblical as well. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I've met so many people that didn't feel confident praying to God themselves. And so I hope what people took from that message, I think it was week two, was that the, God the Father is perfectly accessible to you and to me because of the Jesus, Son yeah. mm-hmm. and with the help uh, with the word words of the spirit. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I would say this. So when you're praying, Jesus is the door that opens up, you know, th- literally the, the kingdom of God and the spirit is that which helps us walk through that door.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: we got to understand that. So Jesus has opened the door and the spirit's going to help me walk through that with confidence and boldness because, I mean, where are we going? Like Claude talked about, we're going into the holiest of holies. We're going before God. And so we need to do that with respect and awe. Uh, one of my favorite stories is you know, when I was a kid, I was at my friend William's house and his dad was our youth pastor and he asked William to pray. <laughs> and William said, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the," And then hit the wall, man. I'll never forget, man. because you, And his dad just said, don't you dare disrespect my father who's in heaven mm-hmm. before this meal. And so we don't, you know, it's not a joke. It's not silly. You got to remember who you're talking to. I remind my kids that all the time when they speak to their mother, you better remember who you're talking to Mm -hmm. or if they're talking to me, wait a minute, excuse me. You know, because I love them, but I'm their dad. Uh, They love their mother, but you know, children struggle with respect. That's a natural sinful part of our life. And so we need to constantly be respectful to God when 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 we talk to him and, and we need to honor him. And so that's just something that we struggle with in our society. So, but I wouldn't get so religious or uptight that it's not real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so
2: I, I frequently pray um, heavenly father and I've been doing that lately cause I'm in the season of my life where I'm trying to like really be conscious about my fatherhood. And when I pray to God, it reminds me, you know, he's a heavenly father, everything I want to or ever potentially could be, he's that and way, 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 way more. Um, so I, that's typically how I do it. But pretty often I will say, like when I'm praying or in out loud with other people, journaling, whatever, I'll say, I'll like thank Jesus for his work on the cross and for, for those kinds of things. And then sometimes too, like Stephanie, you're in my community group. I did this a couple of weeks ago before our whole community group was going to pray. I just asked that the Holy Spirit would help us Amen. to know how to pray. Is mm-hmm. Are those kinds of things? Yeah, that's fantastic.
3: Absolutely. And, you know, we look to the New Testament to get a lot of our models for how the prayers are written by Paul and other people to God, the father, they're almost always, I think, to the father
0: through the son and by the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way I meant to say it. That was good. (laughs) Yeah. So, and just know, you know, again, when you're starting out just like a child's first words, you know, daddy. Mm -hmm. So in Galatians, a lot of people wonder, you know, people ask me this, where does the saying invite Jesus into your heart come from? Yeah. Well, it comes from Galatians. It's the only passage in scripture that talks about the spirit of Jesus coming into our hearts, which causes us to cry out to God, Abba, Father. Mm. And so when we accept Christ and, and what that means into your heart means into your life, into into who you are. And so the heart is, is just a symbol of what we really believe and love and care about. And so when I really begin to love and care about God, I'm going to receive God into the deepest part of me. And when that happens, I'm going to start calling out to God like an infant. Right. And they don't always have the words at first. They don't right. always know what to say. But what do you do as a loving parent? You love, love hearing your name, love hearing dad, dad, mama. You love hearing you know, their first words. And so, all my kids, one of the first words was mine, which was a little <laughs> discouraging. But, uh, and no.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. You know?
0: So, uh, you don't ever have to teach your two kids no or mine. They figure yeah. that out. Um, but uh, you love hearing your kids learn to communicate and talk about what's going on. So, just oh, yeah. know that when you become a Christian, your father in heaven knows that you struggle praying and that over time, you're gonna learn to articulate and communicate. And let me just say this, for those of us who are better at communicating how we feel with people, you're going to be better at communicating how you feel to God. Prayer is a relational quality. Mm -hmm. So this is why we need to be in community group. This is why we need to learn to be sharing spiritual truths to each other. Because as we learn to share spiritual truths to a physical person of our faith, we will learn to share truths with our spiritual father who's in heaven. Hmm. This is why community is so important because we worship a communal God and we learn to communicate spiritually to a communal God in community. And this is why it's so dangerous to isolate ourselves, separate ourselves and not be in community because we need to learn to talk about spiritual things with each other so that we can learn to talk about spiritual things with God. Um, This is why I think it's so important as parents to pray with your kids. Uh, not just for meals, but to, to pray for things. Hey, let's pray for that. Mm-hmm. Let's pray together. Because they need to learn that talking to God is just as normal as talking to each other. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, my community issue. Mm-hmm.
2: So that, last night we were having dinner and Boaz, he loves black beans. And his prayer was, we thank you, thank you, thank you with all the thanks for these tasty black beans. That was so great. With I love all, black with, beans too. all the thanks. I like them, but I'm not gonna go, go hard after it in prayer. <laughs> Like, okay. like Bo would, yeah.
1: All right. Uh, Sam actually sent in a really practical question about prayer and said, do you have to believe that God will answer your prayer for the ans- with the answer that you want in order for him to do it? For example, I pray that my dad will someday quit smoking, but I have little faith that he actually will. Are my fra- prayers effective if I don't believe in them?
0: Right. So I, I talked about this a couple weeks ago um, in the Beyond Happy series, and this is so important. I got rebuked on Twitter, but that's okay because my rebukers are wrong. I believe he, he, here, here's here's what I think is important. You need to believe Jesus can. Mm-hmm. You need to pray that He will,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then and then and then and then live with His answer. So so that's the answer. I, I when I pray in the name of Jesus, I have to pray without any doubt that He can.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know what He's gonna do, but I gotta believe that He can. So this is where you know some of the name it and claim it people get wrong. You you, you can you. You know, I, I there's this whole movement in America. You know, speak it into existence. Uh, the Lakers just drafted uh, a player, uh, Lorenzo or uh, Lorenzo Ball, and his dad is one of these name it and claim it guys that you speak it into existence. Hey, like, mm. there's nothing wrong with being positive. There's nothing wrong with being confident, but you cannot speak things into existence. That does not happen. Only God does that. You know. I mean, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. You, you just can't manifest reality. You are not God. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that life has to teach us over and over and over again is I am not God. I need God. Mm-hmm. And so what I do is I believe that Jesus can. And that's what we do when we pray without doubting is we believe that he can. We pray, we ask that he will. And then we trust his answer. And remember every prayer God answers with yes, no. Or wait. Every I hate it when people say God didn't answer my prayer. Yes, he does. Yes, no, or wait. Every single prayer is answered. Don't you dare say God didn't answer your prayer. Yes, no, or wait. Mm-hmm. And I have seen this over years. God answers prayer. And again, like Claude said, God is good and he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't need your permission to do what he's doing, right? Mm-hmm. God is sovereign. I and mean, I love it. You know, uh, I think it was week two when you said that we don't even have, we don't have an example of that in our lives anymore because we live in a democracy. But in the ancient world, when you were living in a kingdom, the king was the sovereign, the sovereign. And, and you know, again, if they would start teaching history in school in, in a way that actually helped people understand modern thought, um, you know, it was a revelation um, the American revolution that all men are created equal and endowed with rights by their creator. Mm -hmm. What they're saying is there isn't a human being that's sovereign. God is sovereign. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but, but here's the problem because we lost a human sovereign. Now we don't know what sovereign is anymore because the king didn't care what you thought. Mm -hmm. It was all the Kings. Yeah. He just takes um, takes your cake. You know, Mm -hmm. I I, I got into it a little (laughs) bit with this Hawaiian guy, you know, and, and Hawaiians, you know, like, like all ancient cultures that weren't Western or, you know, uh, you know they got taken over, and so he's sitting there telling me, you know, you took our land, and I said, buddy, it wasn't your land; it was the king's land. They don't <laughs> even know their history. The king owned it all. <laughs> you know, they took it from the king. It, it wasn't yours. It was the it was the king's land. You, you don't you don't understand kingdoms. You you have what the king gave you, and so it's it just, it just it's just mind blowing because we we don't have a picture. We we reinvent democracy from our situation back into when it was a kingdom and it's like, bro, King Kamehameha didn't care what you thought. That's why he came with clubs and ships to take that which was yours because he was sovereign. It was his, it was his divine right to rule and reign. And so, and I'm not saying we should live in kingdoms. I'm just saying, as we've we've moved into democracy or many of these other uh, modern uh, political systems is we don't have a practical picture of what isn't ours. So, Americans, we think we own it all. And well, and I
3: think what you're saying too is as we pray, we really come back to what we believe about God is he sovereign? Is he good? Is he all those things the first week? And and when I pray for people, sometimes I just pray those attributes back at them to remind them what's true, who God is, that he sees, you know, he sees this Mm -hmm. moment, he cares for them, he knew about it, he wasn't surprised, he has a plan that's good. And it does, it comes back to what we believe about the sovereign God.
0: Yeah, and I would say this. If you're mad at God because he didn't do what you wanted, it means you don't know who he is. Mm. That, that, what, what it reveals is a theology problem. You yep. don't worship God. You believe God should worship you. And that's why people are angry with God. And that's, that's the story of Job. Job, who do you think you are? Who do you, who in the heck? Yep, you're the most righteous man on earth. He was. Job was the most righteous guy on earth. It's why Satan called him out. Yeah. But in compared to God, he was nothing, mm-hmm. absolutely nothing. And so we, you know, and again, this is uh, this is why worship is so important in our lives because we don't worship God because he gives us what we want. We worship God for who he is. Mm-hmm. He is God and he is good. He is the immense, the eternal one. He is all powerful, almighty. He is the one who gives life. I mean, I mean, th- that's why we got to read the scriptures, man. Um, you and I talked about uh, a year ago about an exodus, how he is the God who brings disease and healing. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? You know, we want to worship God for the healing, but not the disease. That. Yeah, we should preach that sermon. I mean, next. that is <laughs> right. That is worship, man. Um, you know, and, and, he, and what does Moses learn, man? You're nothing. Put your hand in your cloak. Now pull it out. Ah! You know, mm-hmm. that's who I am. I mean, and, and I, you don't know you don't to happen, but his hand was leprous. Mm-hmm. That's who I am. Yeah. I, I am the God that brings death and life. What? And, you know, that's why Jesus says, do not fear those who can just kill the body. Fear the one who can kill both the body and the soul. God has the ability to destroy that which is made to be eternal. What? That's who, that's who God is. And Jesus is saying, you better get that. And, um, you know, again... Man, the reason you come in a church and you don't want to worship and you're not in a right mood is because you have wrong thoughts about God. Mm. You don't know who he is. And we've lost that immensity, that power, that glory. And again, we want God to worship us. And we have, we have been called by God to worship him. And, and for most of us, you know, that's why God has to arm wrestle us for our tithe. <laughs> you know, I'd have this conversation with my adult children. They've got jobs now. And I'm like, so you guys tithing? They're like, what? You have to decide: is that money yours or God's? Mm-hmm. That's that, thats a worship decision.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: people always say, "Well, I can't afford a tithe." I said, "I can't afford not to worship God." And so that—that's my decision. Yeah, you know. And, um, you know, my wife and I were talking about with our kids, and I, and I told my kids how much we give to the church a month, and they were like, "What?" And uh, my wife looks at me. She goes, "I didn't even realize that much." I said, "Because it's not our money.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: It's God's." Yeah. And uh and again, um, you know, I, I I just really want to encourage you to look at your theology and 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 the way that you learn your theology is you look at your life. What how you live reveals what you believe. It just does. And people 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 wanna say they believe one thing and, and and live another. And man, I'm just telling you, there's a lot of people, there's ten thousand people sitting in seats at sandals. There's a couple thousand that worship God. That's just the reality.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: A lot of people just had nothing else to do, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and so and we invite you to to worship God, who is worthy of our worship. And what's sad is we worship everything else. You know, if you want to know what you worship, look what you spend all your money on, all your time on, what you what what you will change everything for, and uh, and we do it all the time. We we worship all the time. We just worship the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Great question. Boom. All right, well, smooth transition coming your way.
2: So one of the coolest parts uh, in your message this last weekend that closed out the series was that our future is a place that God has already been. And when Jesus died for our sins, man, he's dying for the ones we've committed, the future ones, and he's gonna meet us there with power to help us change. How do we keep this idea and knowledge from becoming a free pass to sin because we know God's gonna forgive us? I think it's a real natural question. Uh, I went back and looked,
3: it's Romans 6.1. You know, when Paul starts to talk about God's grace, it's kind of the natural question that mm-hmm. comes up. He says, well, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Uh, because once you really begin to understand how lavish God's grace is, it almost feels like that, but it's the wrong question. Uh, my my hope in talking about your future and that God has prepared power, he's prepared obedience and good works and all those things in your future was not a license to sin, but to say, to give you hope mm-hmm. that change is possible. Obedience is possible 100% mm-hmm. and, and to release us from fear. I think so many people also live in a fear that a sin, there, there is gonna be a sin that uh, sends them to hell or disrupts mm-hmm. their relationship with God um, in a salvation kind of sense. And man, I, my hope was to, that people would say, you know what? Um, victory over sin is possible because mm-hmm. it's God's power, not mine yeah uh change is possible because the spirit ha- ha not only can help me, but God has left behind, left grace and power in my future. And really, we sin because we want to. i i, I know it just like the refrigerator illustration with the ice cream. I eat the ice cream because I want to. Mm-hmm. but I know I have I, I'm strong enough to shut the door to the fridge. I'm you know smart enough to go back to bed and go and not eat it. And at the end of the day, uh, if you're a Christian, you've been released from the power of sin, the chain, the, the Bible calls it slavery to mm-hmm. sin. So we're not in chain to it, but we choose sin because we want to. And it's um, it's sad. It's it's embarrassing. It's to our shame. But uh, what's great is God has given us and even promised good works and power uh, for tomorrow, for Tuesday, for Wednesday. And I wanted people to leave with hope
2: mm-hmm.
0: as they heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's two, there's two sides to that coin. One side is, you know, Many Christians are constantly worried about the weight of sin in terms of their eternal destiny. And I think that's, that's one end of the spectrum of bad theology. There's another end that's really, really bad. And that is I can sin and do whatever I want and God's gonna forgive me. I actually had a woman in our church a couple of years ago um, who uh, uh, made a decision to leave her dying husband of cancer because she fell in love with another guy. And she said this to me, to my face. She said, I know God has to forgive me. Mm. And I said, S- let's stop. God is not a slave to anything. And we read some passages in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter six and chapter 10, that talk about people who willingly, and what I call it is give the middle finger to God and say, you have to, man, you don't know God. And so here's what I would say is, if you are a born again Christian, you're gonna sin. But it's like this. If you're lactose intolerant, you're gonna appreciate this illustration. There may be times when you drink milk, or you get a product with milk. If you're lactose intolerant, you're going to know it. Hmm. You, you're, you're gonna, it's hmm. going to physically manifest itself in your life. If you are a born again Christian and you are in sin, you are going to know it. You are going to feel it. And it is going to be like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. And you're going you're gonna to do everything you can to get right. You're going to repent. You're, man, you, you are going to run to God because you're a child of God and sin no longer fits in your life. If sin doesn't bother you, if your conscience is seared, and if you might be religious and not born again, and so that, that, that's what I would say is is people that don't care about sin, that do whatever they want, that think, well, God's going to forgive me, and and again, they don't believe the gospel. A lot of those people think, well, I've been good enough or whatever, and they haven't really wrestled with the truth of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so what I would say is there's errors on both sides. One is I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be worried that some sin is gonna derail me, which means you don't understand the cross. And then the other is I've been saved so I can do whatever I want, which means you don't understand the cross. And those are, those are two errors of theology. And I know you guys can't see me right now because my, my hands are outstretched, but just understand you can be derailed to the right or to the left in theology. And so what you need to do is run right down in the middle. So if you're a person that's constantly worried about, oh my gosh, I'm gonna do something that God can't forgive. I love Claude's illustration about the ruler right? God's already seen your past, your present, and your future, and he's already forgiven you of these future sins because he doesn't exist in time. Remember, he created time so you could exist. Time is a created thing. It's not an eternal thing. It's a created thing. It has a beginning and it has an end. And that's what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. Eternity, man, what Claude said is so great, is outside of time. And that's hard for us to understand, but that's because we we only (laughs) understand within the context of time. And so... But the other side is, is I can do what I want and God's gonna save me no matter what. And, and again, that's why I think the Old Testament is so important. Think of the Old Testament and the New Testament like your left leg and your right leg. You need both to walk in your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. The Old Testament teaches us awe, reverence, and fear. And the New Testament powerfully teaches us grace, love, and forgiveness. If you have one without the other, you're gonna fall over. And so you, you've gotta have both in that. So Christians, you know, Paul says he takes sin very seriously. You know, very, very seriously. And we don't, we don't just sin so that his words are so that grace may abound. Because if you're a Christian, that's not what you want to do. What you want to do is not sin. You want to please God. And so when we sin, and First John 1, 9 says this, that we come to God and we confess our sins and he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Man, that's, that's why we come to him. You know, man, I messed up. Man, I blew it. Man, I, I'm so sorry. But Christians want to confess. We want to confess because it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful aspect of you know, this righteous and just incredible God. And so just know that you can slip off theology on, on one way or the other. And so um, if you've grown up in a super religious nature, I think you're going to struggle where Claude talked about. Mm-hmm. If you're a pagan and you love <laughs> sinning, you're going to be on the other side. So you just get, you got to be, again, real with yourself. Where am I? And And, and some of us you know, are, are wildly sinful and others of us have are wildly religious. And, and both of those things, right? We, we have to understand where we are in terms of that. Um, but, you know, the cross is more, you know, I think a great way to say it is, is God is a better forgiver than you are a sinner. And so we have to mm-hmm. trust that. However, we got to take sin seriously. We have to take sin seriously. And if you ever find yourself in that position where you're like, well, I'm going to do this because I know that God's going to forgive me. Is a very, very dangerous place to be. And at that point, I would question your salvation. I would question, are you born again? Because you can't strong arm God with grace. You, you, you can't do it. God, you have to, you have to forgive me because, and it's like, man, no you know, forgiveness is, is grace. It's unmerited favor. God has bestowed this on us, and we're so grateful and we're so moved because we get it. We get it. Oh my gosh. So um, just know that there are two sides on that, that, that we, ha- we have to really, really be careful and, and try to figure out which side you're gonna fall off on. And so, um, you know, um, and I would just say this, you know, Claude, I've been on the side you talked about where I really struggle with God being able to forgive me because I, t- I tend to be a religious person. And um, I preached the gospel, I shared the gospel. And I had to have another pastor one day tell me, you tell people about grace, but you, you don't give it to yourself. And I, man... That was a, it was a real, real powerful moment for me because the devil had a foothold in my life, believing that that, that I wasn't forgiven, mm-hmm. and, that's, and and I had confessed, I had repented, mm-hmm. and uh, we we got to really, really preach the gospel to ourselves, and, and that's powerful. Um, that's why the Bible says, "No, not one is righteous." So we got to believe that and trust that. However, take sin seriously. Don't ever get in the plate. You know, sins like cancer. You got to take it seriously. Because mm-hmm. it kills. It always does. And even if it doesn't take your salvation, it can destroy your marriage. It can destroy your relationship with your kids. It can cost you your life. It can bring a great deal of suffering in your life and in the lives of people that you love. Sin, the Bible says, always leads unto the death of something. Always. So be very, very careful about it. And, um, you know, that's why our vision is so great. We can be real about it. So Claude and I, man, we confess into each other. Mm-hmm. We do so because we take it seriously. Mm-hmm. So, man, this has been a great conversation.
2: Claude, thanks for joining us here on the debrief. You were so great. Well, Thank you. we'll definitely maybe have you back some point in the future. <laughs> yeah, maybe
1: next summer. Uh, you know, we'll yeah,
2: yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> man, before we get out of here, it's time for some five star reviews and feedback. <laughs> <laughs> dun dun dun! Five star reviews and feedback.
0: Okay, testing I out seen, some I feedback. <laughs> I listened to the best of. Mm-hmm. Number two, your guys' intro was horrid. <laughs> it was so bad. I literally was like, "What are these guys doing while I'm gone?"
1: Mm. Just trying to get by and bide our time until you yeah, exactly. get back. Yeah,
0: We're I, think it, I so think it was a like hard guys, you, you, you Guys, need a debrief supervisor while I'm gone. <laughs> Fair enough. Because we'll you that. literally said, "This is the best of. This is the worst of the best of." And it was episode two I of know. the be- Yeah. Well, we <laughs> we what tried. Happened? We I have big expectations for you. I'm sorry.
2: Well, one of the one of the things that we wanted to really intentionally do was let people down so that when yeah, when, when you, you came return. back it's like a real triumphant return. They definitely people are people are just soaking up this goodness right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, back to reviews. I do love you. <laughs> and my beard bows to your beard. Oh, <laughs> at this point in time it does. It, it's back, baby.
1: All right. So our first review comes in from SG Frager and she says, I look forward to hearing the debrief team each week, working through some answers to tough questions about the Bible. I love how pastor Brown gets right to the heart of the matter. I'm from a tiny town in Kansas, but I got hooked into the podcast because my niece just became employed at Sandals Church. Ooh, that's Colby. I love this part. I had to check out what type of liberal church she was becoming a part of. (laughs) I have been humbled, blessed, and challenged instead. Shame on me for thinking all of California was debauched.
0: Mm. Well, (laughs) most of us are. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's what us Midwesterners think But you know, there's truth in that, dude. California's whack.
1: Yeah, we're we're a little weird. There's some cool
2: people here. Mm. okay this one one other five-star review this is from isa diggs i love debrief if i'm not listening to it i'm watching it on youtube
1: shout out to our youtube watchers
2: love how you guys answer the questions every week and by you guys i think you mean pastor matt and then also here claude at times questions i have are the ones that are being asked by others which is amazing please don't ever stop heart emoji i seriously feel as if i'm in the same room as you guys thank you sandals church pastor matt stephanie justin <clears throat> and tim holly you guys rock Well, thank you guys. We appreciate those five-star reviews and feedback every single week. So keep them coming. It's how uh, new people discover the show when you guys say that it's awesome.
1: That's right. So we will have full show notes for this episode at debrief.show slash 73. That's including... right. There's a bunch of
2: Bible verses, books, resources. That's right.
1: We're also going to throw the links to all of Claude's sermons on there. We know it's been the summer. You guys maybe have been traveling around, haven't been able to make it to church every weekend. There is grace for you there too. Oh Yeah. We don't will... miss
0: his sermons. They were they were awesome. They were incredible. So there I, are th- I listened to two yesterday.
1: Yeah. There are three. They're incredible. You can get through them pretty quick. They're some of the, I think, coolest sermons that we've had so far. So not, nah, of course. Blue no, 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 they're great. Of. No, it doesn't hurt. So my we'll, have, we'll have links to every one of those. There's one on rest, there's one on prayer, and there's one on change. And they're fantastic. Yeah, they were So make awesome. sure to check out the show notes debrief.show slash. 73.
2: Of course, be our friend on social. We are at Debrief Show pretty much everywhere, and seriously, we appreciate you guys so much who are supporting Sandals Church, the Debrief, and all of the incredible things God is doing here Mm -hmm. at our church. Man, I don't think we've talked about. Banning is popping up here on the campus, and there's some other amazing stuff that God is doing in the future, so we appreciate all the ways you guys support us, and if you want to give to Sandals Church to help us keep doing this, we actually have a whole other sweet podcast coming down the pipeline super soon as well that you guys are helping produce when you are supporting sandals church so you can text give debrief to 951-900-4120 that's give debrief to claude you want to write it down it's two it's two separate words yeah it's you can give, just pull out your phone if you yeah like. yeah oh yeah pull out your phone even better just text have, give i'm the only one debrief the to 951-900-4120 we uh super glad to have you guys pash matt welcome back claude thanks for being on we'll see you in the future
3: i'm definitely not shaving my beard